Hello, welcome to the Talent Parent Programme podcast series. My name is Daniel Thompson and I'm the Talent Operations Coordinator for British Canoeing. So today's podcast episode is on coping with nerves. This is a very important topic in the sports field and can affect performers at all levels from recreational level all the way up to senior Olympic level. So this topic was explored during last year's Talent Parent Programme webinar series. And that webinar can actually be found on the webinar and video resources section of the Talent Parent Programme website. So if anyone would like to refresh their memories of that particular topic. So today we'll be exploring in more depth the strategies that parents and their child, the athlete, can use to effectively cope with brace day nerves. So uh, joining myself for discussions on today's topic is England Slalom National Talent Coach, Ian Raspin, volunteer psychologist within the England Talent Programme, Brian Fagan, and parent Liv. So welcome to you all and thanks for being with us today. If I could just ask you all to say hello, introduce yourself, um, starting with you, Ian. Yeah, morning people. Uh, good to be here. An ex an ex athlete and now coaching. So hopefully I had a breadth of experience in this area. Great, great to have you, Ian. Um and uh, yourself, Ryan. Morning everyone. Hope everyone's keeping safe and doing well. Uh, my name's Ryan. Um I'm a trainee sports psychologist and, and I'm working with Ian uh, in the Ent Squad as a volunteer psychologist. Uh yeah, really enjoying my time so far. So hopefully I can have some important input today. Great, thanks Ryan. And uh, yourself, uh, Liv? Um, hello, uh, my name is Liv and thank you uh, for inviting me to this um, rather important conversation. And uh, I'm a mum of uh, two young paddlers and uh, yeah, we're starting uh, this racing journey since 2013. Great, great to have you with us. Thanks, Liv. Um, so thank you all for um, joining us today. So let's um, open up to, to today's discussion. Um, I'll start over to you, Ryan. So in simple terms, really, to explain what are nerves? Yeah, so nerves are kind of uh, a decrease in performance due to kind of too much perceived stress and anxiety of the situation. Um, and the important part of that is the perceived stress because it Basically, from an athlete's perspective, it's basically saying that they see the kind of race day as a threat rather than a challenge. Um, and might not have the kind of coping resources being able to like deal with it. Um, and nerves can lead, can lead to feelings of worry and doubt about an uncertain outcome. And again, the, the important point is the, the kind of uncertain outcome, because um, obviously in competition, you're not guaranteed to win. Um, so it's kind of that uncertainty that um, creates the, the lot of nerves. Uh, nerves can lead to what's known as sometimes choking under pressure. So, for example, we might hear it, some sports commentators say, yeah, the athlete choked there or they're choking under pressure. It's basically when the nerves get so high that the athletes aren't actually able to perform at their best level or the required kind of performance standard. It can come from external kind of factors. So you're looking at such, such an audience. So people within the audience, uh, whether that's significant others, such as parents or peers, uh, just kind of the nature of competition builds up uh, nerves uh, just in general. But it, it can also be internal factors. So athletes who, who have this kind of are quite high self-critical of themselves. So this kind of perfectionism traits. Um, so setting really high expectations of themselves, sometimes unrealistic of performing 
perfect at all times, um, which is obviously very hard to do because, you know, I think it's, it's good to have high standards, but when you're expecting yourself to perform well all the time, um, it can build up quite a lot of nerves because you're just kind of in fear of making any little mistake. Uh, and that, might, that be, can be quite damaging to people's kind of identity uh, as an athlete. So, so kind of some of the symptoms, um, we'll kind of start with the physiological symptoms. Some experienced by kind of everyone. So you've got the normal ones such as stomach butterflies, um, sweaty palms, or just excessive sweating in general, increased heart rate. This is just the body kind of responding to the situation that and kind of telling the athlete that they're nervous or they're quite anxious about the situation. Athletes also report having muscle tension. So athletes might feel quite tight in maybe their arms or their legs going into going into the race, uh, not feeling as relaxed uh, and as loose uh, as possible. But you also have some of the kind of psychological symptoms as well. Uh, that could be fear, worry, doubts, and this can lead to something called uh, catastrophizing. Uh, and this is basically where an athlete thinks whatever can go wrong will go wrong. So, for example, an athlete may not be good at a certain move or a certain section of the course. Um, so they think, well, I'm not good at that. So it's just definitely going to go wrong. Um, that can lead to quite negative spiraling uh, of thoughts and quite negative thinking in general. It can also lead to this kind of all or nothing thinking. So, again, if we give an example, an athlete sitting on the start line might think, well, I need to win. Otherwise, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting parents, peers, friends down, whoever it may be. Um, and if I if I lose, if I if, or if I don't win, then I'm a failure. And that could be quite damaging to kind of a person's self-identity. And that can actually make the intensity of the nerves even even uh, more intense. And kind of all this kind of focusing is makes it, well, firstly, difficulty not focusing on the important cues for the athletes. And they might start thinking about kind of the outcome right, rather than the processes that kind of lead to the outcome. Uh, and we all know that our kind of our minds, our brain can affect our behavior. So some kind of the behavioral symptoms, some athletes may kind of just disengage or kind of avoid situations. Um, others might become quite twitchy or fidgety. You know, there's probably loads of examples of, you know, when we're nervous, we tend to sometimes pace up and down uncontrollably at times. It's also I've seen in athletes before with some that are quite social and quite loud in training. Um, actually, on race day, they become quite uh, quiet and withdrawn. Um, and that's just them exhibiting nerves, really. Um, and it can be the opposite as well. Sometimes you have the athletes who are more reserved in training. They tend to become kind of outside of their normal personality, in inverted commas, um, and become quite loud. And that's just them trying to get rid of their nerves. Uh, but it really is, yeah, it does depend on the athlete. Uh, and all of this can lead to a lot of negative self-talk. So whether that's an inner dialogue the athlete's having with themselves, or if they're actually verbally saying it to others, whether that's a parent or peer, um, saying stuff such as, oh, I can't do this, um, I'm not going to do well, I'm not prepared. Um, all of these are kind of the nerves building up quite a lot. Yeah, and all these symptoms kind of affect how the athlete can, can go into their performance and can have the, if, they, if they're unable to cope, then it might have a detrimental effect on their performance. Yeah, um, thanks for that, uh, Ryan. Yeah, so you explained really, really well there, you know, the symptoms um, or nerves, they're talking about obviously the physiological and psychological symptoms and obviously some internal and external factors that can then cause athletes to become nervous. Um, so obviously uncontrollable nerves can sort of hinder performance, but mm. nerves can also benefit an athlete. So how can athletes use their nerves in a beneficial way? So yes, so obviously nerves can be 
um, quite detrimental to performance. But if athletes can kind of interpret uh, nerves or anxiety in a different way, um, it can be beneficial to their performance. So, you know, with the Ent Squad, um, working with Ian and Etienne, we really try to focus on uh, kind of self-awareness. Uh, that's something we've taken from the high-performing people model that we use. Um, and self-awareness is really about the kind of the base, the foundations in order to kind of improve your mental skills. And kind of related to nerves, if you're kind of self-aware that you're, you, you are feeling nervous, you, you can use this to sharpen your focus. So it can act as a warning sign that you need to become aware of the situation um, and make any changes if necessary. Um, it can also help with motivation. You know, we've all been there, whether it's competing, exams, work deadlines. If, you know, if we're feeling a bit anxious or a bit nervous, um, it kind of shows that it's important to us. And especially from an athlete's perspective, it shows that they're maybe quite passionate about their sport and it actually means something to them. Um, and that can be quite, quite a strong motivator. Uh, and kind of, again, from the athlete, it means that they're probably more willing to give more effort in order to achieve their goal. And if you're more willing to give your effort, you're more or more motivated, you're probably more better prepared. Um, so an athlete might be quite proactive in being prepared in terms of speaking with the coach, talking about maybe the different plans they can do as they attack the course. I mean, I mean, also means having a backup plan if plan A doesn't go to work. Um, and also out, kind of outside of the, the training. So are they doing the right things in terms of their sleep, um, nutrition, um, are they refueling at the right times, which is obviously can be a key determinant on, on race day. It's not just junior athletes right up to the elite level. Uh, like I think of um, NHL player, uh, Sidney Crosby. He was quoted in saying, I don't think you're human if you don't get nervous, which is obviously a bit of an out there thing to say. Um, but it's just kind of just kind of saying and showing that, you know, all athletes at all levels get nervous. But it's really about how you interpret it um, and how you can use it to benefit you. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point there at the end. You know, um, I like that quote, quote that you just mentioned there. You're not human unless you get nervous and um, this can help, you know, increase alertness and motivation enhance yeah. preparation they can use that to to do to help them and benefit them um i'm going to come to you um next ian because i'm keen to understand what the coach's perspective on this so um you've worked with athletes um that i'm sure have experienced race day nerves but have they had race day nerves that have actually gone on to help them achieve a performance outcome and how did they do this Yes, um, well, yeah, fairly comprehensive uh, insight into into the world of anxiety there from Ryan. Uh, yeah, from a practical perspective and my reflections, I guess, both as athlete and coach, uh, then we, we know, as uh, Ryan suggested, that when the outcome is important, in combination a little bit with your uh, competence levels, um, then it can, it can provoke anxiety. And we know from uh, all research on the fight and flight model that a little bit of anxiety can be valuable um, it depends upon the nature of the activity you're undertaking the, the more uh, the more skill-based the activity is then the research suggests the less anxious you are the better so we're probably from the world of canoeing in that middle ground there is a quite a high skill base but also there's a large physical element to it which anxiety and um, the response that you get from the adrenaline um, is seen as a positive regard with regards to the physio physiological um, benefits. 
Um, so athletes, yes, you do get athletes who get very uptight and anxious. Um, and again, as Ryan suggested, you know, those, those feelings of being sort of sickness, lethargy, not being able to concentrate, self-doubt, all those things inevitably as any, you don't need to be a scientist to recognize that those sort of feelings and thought patterns aren't conducive to performance. So if arousal levels and anxiety are high, then it is gonna have a detrimental effect on performance. Um, however, as I just sort of alluded to, you know, if you can manage uh, the amount of arousal, the amount of adrenaline that's pumping around the system, then it can be beneficial. Uh, not only has uh, anxiety or arousal levels uh, been shown to enhance physical performance, but also cognitive performance. So, so, so the appropriate level is is actually beneficial. Um, the, the the crux to all this, though, is about ensuring that you are at the right level of arousal, uh, so so that you can benefit from the anxiety that you're feeling uh, rather than it being uh, disabling. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And, and talking about um, the arousal levels there, um, the being the optimal level of arousal that can really enhance performance. Um, there's a couple of different um, theories and research out there, um, which um, I'll come to you next, Ryan, to perhaps you can yeah. sort of, um, enlighten us on a couple of different theories that Ian sort of um, alluded to around um, arousal and how that can be an optimal level of arousal that can really benefit performance. Yeah, so you know, Ian touched on it very well there in terms of um, kind of having this up to an optimal level and kind of being in that zone. So there's kind of a couple of different models. So firstly, you have something called um, the inverted U hypothesis. Um, and this is basically stating that in kind of low anxiety states, athletes might be quite disinterested or even bored at times. Um, so that's gonna to lead to kind of a decrease in performance. Uh, but as this anxiety increases um, up until an optimal level, um, performance will actually increase because it helps kind of, again, if they're self-aware, it'll help to kind of sharpen that focus um, and can be quite a strong motivator as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned about kind of optimal threshold. We all know that athletes are kind of different. Um, so this will be different depending on the athlete. So kind of another layer to this kind of model is something called the individual zone of optimal functioning or eyes off for short because it's, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and this basically states that athletes have or individual athletes will have different optimal zones of kind of arousal anxiety levels where they perform their best. So again, if it's too low, then they might be quite bored or quite disinterested um, and kind of a lack of focus on what they actually need to do um, and not in the right energy state. But when it comes to it being too high, this might lead to a complete meltdown and the athlete kind of being overwhelmed by the situation. And again, that would probably be a lot of the physical symptoms. So maybe feeling quite tight in terms of like muscle tension and kind of having these zones kind of caters for the, like, the individualities between athletes. So if you're rating anxiety on a scale of 10, for example, some athletes will need between a two and a three in order to kind of perform at their optimal level, while others might need a five or a six. You know, and kind of using this model, if athletes can kind of become more self-aware, um, again, going back to the high-performing people model, if they're becoming self-aware of where they need to be in terms of anxiety, um, then they can hopefully going forward use different strategies and coping methods to order to put themselves or, or not take themselves out of their kind of optimal zone 
um, and the and the range of the zone will will depend on the athlete as well. Yeah, great sort of analysis on um, some of those two models there of arousal and um, how that can you know, benefit performance. Um, we'll um, put those two models onto the talent pair and program webpage on the um, resources section under the coping with nerves topic area, um, so that parents can have a look at that afterwards. Um, so we've heard obviously from yourself, Ryan, as a practitioner, and yourself, Ian, as a coach. Um, now I'm, I'm keen to hear about the parent perspective. Um, so I'm going to come to you, Liv. So you've got um, children that within the England Talent Pathway, they've competed at various different levels. Has your chi child um, experienced rest day nerves? And if they have, um, how have they actually coped with their nerves? Um, I would say absolutely yes. Um, I believe everyone, everybody involved in um, competitive sports as an athlete or as a parent or a bank side um, have such an um, uh, such an experience and uh, if I would talk specifically about my oldest son who is 17 now and who is on um, ENDS program I I would say that for him there are two factors that definitely play a big role um, regarding how how nervous and how worried he gets. One is, as Ryan mentioned, is external factors. So as, as an external factor, I mean um, around an athlete, um, outside uh, of, uh, of the race. And I could, as, as I'm a mom on my own, uh, my older son, he plays a big part in, in, in family and he knows how it functions, he knows what are the situations um and very often this external factor i know when it goes to the race day even he needs to think about what's happening on the race i know that still behind um he have a lot of anxiety because he knows that how he perform it matters just because he know that how hard we all as a family been uh, working together so so that is as an external factor and i would say as an internal factor for um Kurt Adams definitely is the thing he's thought about himself that whatever he does he have a feeling that he have to be the best and uh, yeah that's that's definitely didn't help and uh, yeah that we've been going through all all the um extremes of experiences um but definitely the one thing what i as a parent always been uh telling uh my boys that it's very important that all your feelings if they need to brought out we need to talk about them um if you want to cry you cry um you know as, as long as you don't uh, break your boat or, or paddle uh, or you don't harm other person uh, it's fine and definitely it's 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 been um um not very straightforward journey um but um today when i had a little conversation with uh Kurt Adams and i said you know um how it is that um 
you know, how, how do you think yourself when you were more nervous, uh, you know, when you were racing in Division 4 or, or, or now in Prem or going for the selection races? He definitely mentioned that um, over the last two years, he feels much more confident to race just because he has more knowledge um, and more just experience how, how, how to deal how to deal with that. Um, uh, but I, I, I found it very interesting when I was talking to my youngest one. Again, it's been quite a different journey because when he was younger, uh, he um, always was on the race, uh, on the start line with a smile and, and uh, yeah, he was just really, really just enjoying. He wasn't nervous as was Kurt Adams when he started uh, his racing. Uh, but with the years, I can say that he is now more anxious because I think it's just, um, you know, if you have a brother who sets their expectations quite high, then you think, oh, I have to do the same. So here as well, uh, definitely we talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But um, yeah, it, it's easy to say, but uh it's 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 not always working uh, as we, we we would love to but uh i think as my oldest one have the saying that everything was happening is a part of the journey and uh and we we try to always memorize ourselves uh that whatever is your experience it, it's part of the journey and that's something that um in the life further uh, may, will make you happier person because you just know yourself and know, know how to deal with this. Dan, can I come in there? Yeah, I, I think it was really interesting there just to hear Liv just, um, I guess, indirectly talk about the importance of the outcome. You know, we heard her explaining how her eldest son, um, because of the investment that the family makes, then the importance for him to do well is added to by obviously you know the time the money and and the challenge that is uh, created by the the scenario that they're in and therefore he feels he needs to justify that by doing well um and then also she suggested that you know in terms of he wants to win everything and again you know, if we just unpick that slightly, where we go with that is that we recognize that for our athletes, particularly as they climb the pathway, and even before, you know, if I reflect on my experience as a young junior athlete, you know, I wanted to be a superstar, basically almost from the day, the day I got into my canoe. Um, and, you know, how you perceive yourself, your, your self-perception um, is really fundamental in the uh, thought patterns that you have. Um, and if you believe that in order for you to see yourself as a success or your perception of others seeing you as a success is down to how you perform in a canoe, then that, as we can all see, puts a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Um, so it, it, it is an inevitable and obvious why you know, when we're sort of thinking in those two ways that were illustrated there by Liv, you know, why that pressure is there. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for sort of bringing that um, context to, to light a bit more um, with um, your example there. Um, certainly, um, athletes can implement some 
strategies that, that can sort of help them along their way. Um, so that's really where um, looking to come to next of some of the strategies that can help athletes and, and parents like Liv assist their son or daughter um, with controlling their nerves and helping using those nerves to their benefit. So I'll come to you, Ryan, whether there's any strategies athletes can use or parents can um, help assist their, their child to control their nerves. Yeah, I think um, both parents um, and athletes can kind of work in tandem to help uh, deal with nerves uh, or kind of control the nerves a lot better. Uh, so something that um, Ian and myself have kind of introduced to the end squad was kind of imagery in combination with relaxation. So kind of the first part is uh, relaxation. Use that in order for the imagery to be as most effective as possible. Um, so relaxation helps to kind of, you know, quieten the mind, block out the external noise, um, and helps to kind of allow the athlete to focus and be in the most relaxed state. So you can do different techniques in terms of relaxation. Um, so maybe ab abdominal breathing, which is focusing fully on breathing from the abdomen. Um, slowly and deeply because you know when we're tense we tend to breathe quite shallow and rapidly um, and mainly just involving the upper chest area um, but if you're fully relaxed you're more breathing fully and deeply from the abdomen um, and this can be used in combination with uh, meditation you know it's been around for thousands of years um, so that can be use of a mantra um, single word phrase character 10 whatever it is for the athlete um, along with slow breathing can help them to become in the kind of most relaxed state as possible. And then I mentioned before about um, some athletes report having kind of muscle tension and feeling quite tight. Um, you also have something called progress, progressive muscular relaxation or PMR for short. Um, this is really for the athletes who kind of suffer with muscle tension um, going into kind of race day. Um, so what this is, you can do what's called maybe a deep relaxation. So this is normally working from head to toe, um, tensing the different muscle groups of the body. Uh, and then relaxing them uh, or on the day of the race you can do maybe a quick relaxation so for example if the athlete is feeling quite tight in their arms or their bicep muscles they can uh, tense their muscles for around 7 to 10 seconds and then relax for 15 to 20 seconds um, and this you can do this two or three times uh, it's important with PMR that you're not tensing to the point where you know you're cramping or injuring yourself that's obviously the last thing you want to do going into competition. But once you kind of use any of those strategies, so maybe whether that's meditation or PMR, you can then go into the imagery. And this is where parents can actually come in and assist. So imagery is basically visualizing, mentally rehearsing uh, a scene or an image of a positive performance. So the key for imagery is to kind of visualize in as much detail as possible. My tip for parents would be to help their child build an imagery script. So ask questions such as, the kind of key questions that help to build the senses as much as possible. So what's the look of the scene? What are the different sounds? Is there a certain temperature within the image, the environment? Are you coming into physical contact with anything? The different smells? Asking all these different questions can help to make the image a lot more vivid um, and makes the imagery a lot more effective. And kind of with imagery, it's important to kind of practice it on a on a daily basis. Um, I know some of the end squads have been doing that because, you know, when Ian and I introduced it a few weeks ago, um I spoke to a couple of them after and you know they, they've continued to use it especially during these times now where they're actually unable to get onto the water um i think some of them are using it as their their kind of training um and i think it's they're, they're seeing the benefits from it as well um, another strategy that can be used is uh, also goal setting 
So again, we kind of already talked about outcome goals, which is kind of the ultimate goal you want to achieve. So whether that's, you know, winning, finishing in a certain place, but then underneath this, you have something called performance goals. And these are kind of performance standards you need to set in order to achieve that outcome goal. So for example, setting a certain time in order to finish in the top two, but then underneath this, there's a further layer and probably the most important layer is kind of these process goals. And these are really the kind of things that I needed to do in order to achieve that performance standard in order to hopefully try and achieve that outcome goal. So it's kind of a pyramid structure. And within the kind of process goals, these could be such as doing the right things in training, getting the right nutrition, refueling at the right times, um, as I mentioned before, uh, and getting a good night's sleep. All these things, um, you know, doing a proper warm up, all these things can help to hopefully lead to, um, in combination, lead to a good performance, which which might give you the best chance of um, achieving that outcome. And then kind of the final point in terms of kind of different strategies, um, parents can help their athlete focus on what was really good in kind of past performances. So we call these kind of mastery experiences. Maybe try and help the athlete identify what was really good in their preparation during their uh, pre-performance routines, what actually went well in the performance. Um, and one that kind of gets overlooked quite often is what was the mindset like? What was the athlete thinking and feeling? What kind of behaviors were they exhibiting before their really good performance? And, you know, if you're focusing on kind of these positive performances in the past, then you're more likely to use a lot more positive self-talk. And this taps into what is called mastery motivation. So the motivation where you want to improve, you want to give your best effort uh, and you want to develop personally rather than just focusing on beating others or just wanting to win. And all these kind of strategies tap into self-regulation of nerves uh, and self-regulation is another one that we kind of taken from the high performing people model uh, and using a lot of the end squads. Because if you're able to kind of self-regulate yourself a lot better, so in terms of maybe your emotions, you're more likely to exhibit the correct behaviours uh, and give yourself the best chance to perform at a good level. Yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. That's um, a great list there that you've mentioned of some of the strategies that parents can help their child um, with their nerves. Um, some of the strategies that um, Ryan mentioned, Liv, are they familiar to you? Have you um, seen either one of your child use any of those strategies to, to help them cope with their nerves during um, race day? Um, so, yes, I think uh, it highly matters um, how, each, uh, how each person learns. And, uh, and what, I, what I will mention, it's definitely something that... Um, is related uh, just to, to to my children but um yes i think uh through the years being on the program they have they've been giving a lot of information out uh, about how to cope um but if i specifically would talk about my oldest one um kurt adams then um been a tough journey personally for him uh, accepting new concepts um about himself it's always been like a very intimate process it's never been straightforward uh for him um knowing how it um, doesn't work um and you know all the new ideas uh that been brought forward for him um about the personal matters um always need to be brewed a little bit uh, sometimes for months uh, sometimes it's some some uh, concepts can take even years and uh, but uh, yeah then you have these fantastic days when uh, 
some of these ideas are resurfacing and uh, through the personal experiences and that these are these eureka moments and you know, oh i know yes you know i i heard about it that that's how i have to do and and that's actually working now um yeah um for him um it's it, it, it it's been quite a struggle because sometimes when they have talks um with Braz about you know how things should be done and 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 I ask him so what what have you talked about it yeah yeah we talked about this and we talked about that but um I see that it's very rarely goes straight forward okay this is how I will be doing it now uh from now on um yeah but uh, it's it's definitely I love those days when it's I see it's it it comes out and um yeah so that's why i think it's very very important so they they the young athletes are given these um this uh, knowledge about these strategies and and then then i think um that's the best that uh, coaches can do tell them how things should be done in the ideal world and then just wait um when each when each of athletes have their recommendments and they 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 apply it and and they use it because yeah that's all all are all are good things and and definitely knowing them is um it's very important but it's as well something i think that develops um with the age is just uh, that self-understanding yes so, so um, certainly i think um the use of strategies having that trial and error sort of process around the strategies there you know um and some things it, it takes time and as you um mentioned earlier on about the athlete and um, being on that journey and um as they're on that journey they you know find new ways and strategies that can help them um i'm coming to you um next Raz, um from a coach perspective here and um, so how important is it for athletes to have these prepared strategies to cope with their nerves as part of their race day plan, particularly maybe um, when it's an, a really important race, such as a selection of race, or even when we get even further to internationally or on a start line at a junior European or junior worlds competition? Yes, good, good question. I, I guess just coming back to Liv's point there, I think, you know, inevitably, like in life, you know, young young athletes, young people maybe don't absorb the messages that we give them in their early days because it has little relevance. Um, and it's only when they find themselves in a context where they are, I guess, exploring and looking for solutions and guidance that some of the messages then sort of land. Um, and I think, you know, I recognize that not only as, as a, a young man growing up, but also working with the athletes that, that, that we work with. I've worked across the program and I can see that some of the messages that I present, as, as Liv alluded to, you know, don't land straight away. And it's only when they find themselves in certain scenarios that suddenly it seems to have a, reson a resonance with them. Um, yeah, it is important that uh, athletes turn turn up to uh, races with, with I guess um, um, a collection of strategies. But what what I would suggest is that um, when I approach this topic, I, I sort of come at it in two ways. I come at it in from a prevention and a cure way. Um, 
And the fact that, um, in my eyes, um, if we just talk around the prevention element a little bit, um, Ryan alluded to, and I mentioned it, that anxiety is provoked when um, we see the outcome as important and in combination with uh, whether we have the, the skill set and the capacity to undertake the task that's been asked of us. Um, and therefore, if we can change how we see the situation and how we are measuring success, so Liv talked about Kurt measuring success in his early days based off the result sheet, and that's very much you know, how a lot of athletes do it because it's rammed down their throats from the time that they approach the race to the, to the minute they leave. It's all about the results. Um, and we can't escape that. That is elite sport and that is competitive sport. That's why we all turn up together or else we wouldn't turn up. Um, but for an athlete, what they need to do is not to be measuring their success through where they finish on the results list, but to get themselves to, I call it indoctrination, is to get themselves to believe that executing the processes that um, conclude towards that outcome are more important than the outcome itself. So making those things as exciting and challenging in terms of trying to achieve them than the outcome itself. And that is a hard task to do. It takes a bit of mental gymnastics, but again, as an athlete myself, I've been there and done that. And if you can do that in advance of the race, and it does take weeks to do that, to make the delivering of the processes, whether that's the technical processes, whether it's about the mindset or some of the other things that uh, we know need to go on in advance of delivering a performance on race day, if we can make those as important, then it means that we're more likely to be able to see success. And when we believe we're more likely to see success, then we're not about as anxious to go into the situation. So I would say that the prevention strategy, um, which can be done in advance of the race, is fundamental to arriving on the start line in a good uh, state where we're not over aroused um, and dithering idiots, to put it in simple terms. I guess we are always going to have a degree of anxiety because inevitably our mind will flick to the outcome. How am I going to do? What results am I going to get? Am I going to beat this person? Am I going to be able to perform um, that task um, and, 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 and achieve the outcome that I want? Those outcome related thoughts. We're always going to get a little bit of that going on, no matter how disciplined our thinking to stay away from those thought patterns. And therefore, you know, we, when we do have that little bit of anxiety, then we can employ some of the strategies that Ryan's already talked about. Um, so the relaxation type activity is really good. Um, I talk a lot about filling the box, which is a strategy. It's really a distraction strategy. The brain, uh, the psychologist will tell us, can only process one thought at a time. Um, and if you don't put a thought into the little box that it's trying to the box where it processes those thoughts if you don't put a thought in there it'll put its own thought and it'll put the most prevalent thought and on race day that's how am i going to do and those outcome related thoughts so inevitably that provokes anxiety so by you filling that little box with thoughts and those can be thoughts about anything they can be about reading a book watching a movie chatting to friends and things but proactive activity that engages the brain then that will prevent the box 
prevent the brain filling the box itself with those potential outcome related thoughts so that's a that's another strategy that that i encourage um, I, um brian also talked about self-confidence um and we know that the use of imagery the use of self-talk being a bit more aware of celebrating your successes in the lead into the race all those things can lead into enhancing self-confidence and we know the relationship between self-confidence and anxiety is inverted i.e as self-confidence increases anxiety decreases so those sort of activities uh, are also are also useful um, and there's many more. I mean, the, the last one, just for the sake of this, I would suggest is to get the athlete to go around. What is the worst case scenario? And is it really that bad? Um, I think what happens is uh, Ryan again talked about catastrophizing and it's very easy to athlete for athletes to get things out of context and, and, and out of shape a little bit in their heads. And if you act, just talk through, OK, well, what is the worst case scenario? If you don't perform at this race, is really everything you're telling yourself actually true and going to happen? And nine times out of ten, from my experience, I don't think it is. And once you recognize that, then that in itself, you know, takes away from the importance of the event and allows you to relax a little bit more. So that would be my uh, my starter for 10. You haven't got anything else to, to add there, Ryan, on, on what, what yeah. I've said? Yeah, I think what Ian was mentioning there about kind of the reframing your mind in thinking because I talked a bit about that kind of all or nothing thinking where the athlete was, if they fail, then that, that's them as a kind of a failure as a person. It's really about thinking, well, you can be an athlete and not achieve, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're kind of a, a failure as a person. And I think, especially with young athletes, uh, as Ian was talking about before, that's sometimes quite hard to distinguish because, because obviously they're really passionate about this sport and passionate about just canoeing, that if they don't, if they fail, they see themselves as a failure as a person. But it's really about, OK, you didn't do so well at, at the moment in this race, but it doesn't affect you as a person. I think that's sometimes the message that sometimes gets lost uh, on athletes. And it's also, you know, obviously in elite sport, it's, it's, as Ian was saying, it's very competitive. Um, but sometimes you've you got to take yourself out of that um, sort of mindset when you go away from the sport, because uh, that can because then you probably enjoy your sport a lot more because um, then you kind of have other things to focus on um, outside of it. Uh, and I think that's a very important point to kind of make in terms of athletes not being so hard on themselves um, if they don't perform well as an athlete. Um, I'm just keen to touch on uh, one other topic. Um, so we talked about anxiety on the day of the race. Some athletes probably could experience the anxiety pre-race as well. Um, so i.e. I, like the day before um, or the evening, the evening, even the evening before the race. Um, I know certainly from when I was um, competing um, in my sport in athletics um, many, many years ago, um, I, I always experienced that, those nerves um, the day before a race and, and thought about how I was going to do. So, Ryan, is there sort of any different strategies or is it pretty much the same sort of strategies that you've talked about that a parent can do to try to help their child um, overcome those sort of pre-race anxiety of the, the day before a race? Um, well, yeah, I think imagery is quite a good one, along with kind of the relaxation. Um, and it's really about parents just creating kind of the most relaxed environment as possible. 
because uh, as Ian said before, anxiety at some point is going to be there um, going into the race. And it's really about kind of focusing on the, for the parents to kind of focus on the processes because uh, that helps to kind of reduce the comparisons with other athletes. So making sure that the athlete has a good kind of pre-performance routine in terms of um, what they're doing before, make sure making sure they're having enough time to warm up, um, making sure that, you know, the athlete's getting a good night's sleep before. Obviously, the athlete, as you know, you would hope that they would kind of take this upon themselves to do that. Uh, but parents can kind of be there to kind of reinforce that because um, then, yeah, again, helps to reduce those comparisons. Yeah, and I think creating that kind of relaxed environment, um, sometimes distracting yourself from the, the race the next day can be quite a, quite a useful one. Um, and just take some time to unwind because on a race day, it can be quite pressurized. Um, and if you're not before, you can kind of, you know, relax, do something else, whether that's you know, socialize with friends, you know, read a book or something. I think that can be quite a, a useful useful way to to kind of unwind the night before um, and prevent those nerves from occurring. Definitely a routine um, was something that I, I look back on um, myself and mm. it, it helped me having that pre-race routine and um, it did, did help calm, calm myself down um, and I, I remember my, my dad helped a little bit with that and he knew when to take a step back let me do uh, what I wanted to do in, in the pre-race routine and then uh, be there for when I then needed needed him. Um, I've got um, one final question um, and that's what would be your top tip for parents? So I'm going to ask around the room and ask everybody. Um, I'll start with yourself, Ian. Um, so on what we've discussed today, um, what would your top tip for parents be um, to help their child cope with nerves? Perspective. I would just add, add one other as well. I think perspective, you know, don't turn it into the be all and end all. It's not life and death. You know, if an athlete recognises that, you know, the key things in life are not going to change based on your performance on this, this, or this canoe run, whatever it might be. You know, then I think they they will just approach the situation in a much more normal, less anxious state. Um, the other the other thing I was going to mention was about parents tend to, and I've watched this, tend to believe that they need to do everything for their athlete because they see that as helping them. What in fact you're actually doing, if you are going out of your way to help the athlete in every particular avenue you can all you're doing in their mind is saying to them and it's happening covertly is this is really important and i'm trying to help you the best i can the athlete is trying to downplay the importance of the event so when you're faffing around opening their cereal bar for them or you know carrying their boat when you don't normally carry their boat or hanging their clothes out so they can easily get dressed all you're actually doing is saying to them covertly this is a big event and I'm trying to help you. And that actually doesn't help them. So maybe there's another thought for them. Yeah, that's um, a, a tip from bringing that, that thought or perspective in, in, into play. Um, Ryan, um, what would your top tip be? Yeah, well, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting what Ian just said there about, um, you know, parents uh, probably not helping out as much. Um, because, yeah, I think it really is about athletes taking taking responsibility for themselves because again um with the end squad we talk about kind of leadership and ownership um and athletes kind of trying to work it out for themselves um because they can focus on what they need to do um without 
kind of using like a lot of different resources from people if that makes sense yeah and i thought it was quite interesting what ian was kind of discussing there um kind of kind of good insight into kind of what happens on on race day um, but my kind of kind of top tip actually comes from a bit of research that, that was actually done with um slalom athletes junior athletes uh, a few years back and it's really about parents managing their own anxiety so athletes really benefited from just parents creating a really relaxed environment in terms of focusing on kind of the processes uh, rather than the outcome uh, because at some point as Ian said before outcome is going to come into the mind eventually um, but if you can kind of delay it um, and just focus on what you need to do in order to perform well um, then that could be quite quite um, a positive one for for the athletes um, and keeps them as relaxed as possible um, and we're kind of within that zone we talked about before um, before before going into performance and it's really about kind of seeing anxiety as a good thing um, and using maybe and interpreting it interpreting it in a different way which is obviously with young athletes might take a bit of time um, but, but again if you help if you're helping to build that self-awareness I think it's um, going to benefit the athlete in the long term great thanks for that um, and then finally um, Liv what would your top tip for parents be Oh, it's definitely the number one is um, to talk to your child leading uh, to important races or, or yeah, whatever races they are. Like talk to your child before you got in that uh, situation when there's anxiety and worries. Talk days before, have ask how he feels what are the things that would help him on a day as as Raz mentioned um uh you know how much uh, a young athlete would like me to help him it's uh like i think for me for me it's very important to know uh to help him the things that he tells me this and this does will help me if you will do that and that i know please don't do this and this and um, and following then when the race comes um you just reflect on that and observe uh and and react um just seeing uh, how how does athlete feels and 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 yes just um just reflect observe and 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 the one the big 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 is definitely as the Raz mentioned to talk about uh, putting the things into perspective and 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 have a talk. You know, if the race goes that way, how would you feel? And um, as important races are for 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 young athletes, it's uh, really to putting things in perspective and and you know whatever will be outcome, the the, the life is life is is going on. Great, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, excellent point there, really, and tip to to finish up on. So, Ian, Ryan, Liv, um, thanks very much for um, being involved in today's uh, podcast episode on uh, coping with nerves. Thanks for you know your, your input and your insight into from a practitioner, coach, and parent perspective. So, I hope that everybody has found this um, podcast useful. And so, this podcast um, is available on the British Canoeing talent parent program webpage on the podcast section of the website and it's also available on spotify podbean or apple podcasts 
um, just uh, follow British Canoeing Talent Parent Programme. So thanks a lot all for being involved today. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Cheers, thank you.